Hi, I'm Mel, and this is my co-host Jamie, the long table of autopsy knives to my backdrop of Warhol-styled snuff art. Yes, Daddy, and this is Boo Crime. Daddy, yes. And we're back after a mini hiatus. Yes, welcome back to the country. Yes, and you also welcome back to the country. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm very yeah. happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you vacate. Sometimes vacations aren't vacations. No, no, not really. But <laughs> I'm not going to go into too many details, you know, no. just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, mom. I love you. <laughs> I love that. Um, but yeah, we had the brilliant plan of after me being gone, um, of we are going to watch a really long movie and then do a double episode in what we had like five days before you left. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't pack my shit until maybe six hours before mm-hmm. I had to leave. So. No, exactly. <laughs> classic. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, who do I think I am? <laughs> Another person. Yeah, apparently. On Can't another fool planet. myself. No, 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 no. You just, you practical joked yourself. You're like, oh, I did the same thing though. I like yeah. thought about stuff. I actually wrote you your packing list while you were here and we yes, didn't record anything. <laughs> so much. Yeah. I spent two days at your house and we didn't record or record or record anything <laughs> no, i didn't even what? finish my notes while like you guys won't know that but you know, my hair my hair looks amazing mel yeah did my hair we had this genius plan to like go gray to ensure mm-hmm. the most ultimate tonage yes for being in the sun because you were in dominican republic yes i was this pool very beautiful there chlorine will strip your hair of any color so why not go the ashiest you could possibly go so that as the sun is further murdering the color out of your hair it just you know lightens to a beautiful shade so jamie's no longer pink exactly and a nice purple shampoo Mm -hmm. now i'm i'm like a i look like i'm a surfer or something yeah because i got the tan (laughs) and i got the like blonde hair but it's like it looks so natural like just with my actual hair growing in and the roots are just a little bit of a different color but like blended into it and then my roots it's anyways everything just looks perfect it could just definitely probably grow out right now and I could dye it with um like one of those dark to light you know dark ash blonde or something yeah just growing out and eventually it'll just be like yeah like ombre I love it. Welcome to our hairdressing podcast where we teach you the tips and tricks you need to be looking your best for cheap. Ratchet (laughs) horse. The the tips we give you, boo, should be a crime. (laughs) It is so cheap. Am I stealing? (laughs) Anyways. Do you come with our? (laughs) So, um... Do we let everybody know what we'd be recording last episode? It's been so long that my memory is shot. I'm pretty sure we did. Yes. And if we did not, um, we watched and covered 
Nightbreed, which was one of my suggestions mm-hmm. of a creature feature. Yes. And it was one of my favorite movies as a child. It's just, it's not even like it was my favorite, like it is in up there, but there's certain scenes in the movie that even when I watch now, I just like have such memories locked into my childhood mm-hmm. and remember seeing it and be- thinking like and feeling a certain way. And I could still feel that when I watch it. But anyways, it's like a comfort movie. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I love that all of your comfort movies, like it's not definitely other people would watch this to get like a ooh Halloween chill, you know, like leading up to Halloween. Because mm-hmm. to me, this isn't like your typical horror movie, but it's got so many dark essences swirling amongst it. Um, Super fun. Um, But I just love that. Like, you're like, Oh yeah. Like horror puppets and blood gore raised me. Literally this, this is the type of stuff I grew up on. I'm like thinking about other movies. I'm like, Oh yeah. Little monsters was also one of my favorite Mm -hmm. movies. And that's definitely an underground world where monsters live, just like this movie. Yeah, you're all like, about well, it. I'm like all about the misfits, but also too, if you really look, think into this movie now as an adult, there's a lot of like social commentary on totally, you know, colonialism, <laughs> like in <laughs> genocide. Oh, literally. Oh, I couldn't believe the lessons that were being handed to me in between little creepy puppet muppets and bathroom none of it makes sense but it all makes sense (laughs) none of it makes any fucking sense nothing is correlating (laughs) yeah yeah no but i love it so i'm gonna start us off with all of the imdb facts so this was written and directed by the brilliant clive barker guys you know him hellraiser Candyman, midnight meat train to name a few This was based on his novel called Cabal, which I didn't understand when I first wrote these IMDb notes, but I very much understand now. Um, It was produced by Gabriella Martinelli and Joe Roth. No association to Eli Roth? Maybe a distant cousin? I looked that up too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're cousins. Who knows? Um, The music was composed by legendary Danny Elfman. He has scored such movies as Nightmare Before Christmas, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Mars Attacks. So basically all things Tim Burton. I think Tim Burton has him on speed dial for like Danny Elfman. Yeah. I think he's like, buddy, I'm making a new movie. You want to make it sound good? Um, so additionally, Netflix's Wednesday series, he also did the music for Red Dragon, all of the Fifty Shades movies, which are basically horror movies to me. So I added them to the list. Um, but yeah, lots of stuff. You'll recognize his, his is brilliance. He, is he not um, also the like music creator for The Simpsons? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he makes. I usually only list horror related things when I'm doing the notes, so I'm missing big, big like blockbuster or uh, very pop culture reference things. I'm always going through IMDb looking for anything that they do horror related, and I just skip everything else. Well, I mean, we could say the Treehouse of Terror episodes; those are pretty horrific. That is true. That is true. Those are my favorite. Always. Every Halloween, I'm like, yeah, just like the like, only I know your soul is composed of all things Simpsons and Simpsons references, <laughs> but I would watch the Simpsons when it came to Halloween time because those episodes were awesome. Yeah, they were the best. 
Totally good. So let's jump into the rating. The rating is R for profanity, violence, and gore. Um, For does the dog die segment of the podcast, everyone will be so happy to know that fuck no, the dog does not die. In fact, the dog is a star and we love him. Um, But a warning that a very ambiguous underground sort of creature is seen being eaten later in the movie but it really it's just a pile of fake hair it's nothing grizzly it has no face you don't even know what it is it could be a pile of moss but yeah literally but it's also really fucked up the idea that they could just any of them could just eat the other one at any point like that's i was like i feel like they're all friends (laughs) But, like, also, some of them eat the other ones. Yeah, maybe there's a hierarchy, like a food chain of underground dwellers that it's, like, maybe some of them eat their young. Yeah. I was going to say cannabinoid. Humanistic underground dwellers. Um, So the ratings. That's a movie right there. Yes, God, buddy. But, like, it's a new one. It's a new version that I'm writing right now. Yes, yeah. Trademark, trademark, trademark it. All right, so the ratings number wise, not the movie rate. Okay, I don't even know how to explain the difference between like a, an R rating and then the actual film rating, the score, yeah. I guess, the exam oh, yeah. score from people. IMDb, this, this little friend has a 6.5 out of 10. And I'm so sorry, Jamie, but the tomato meter is sitting at a 48%. Huh. I mean, that's not really that, that bad. I feel like people are pretty harsh on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. Like, I feel like that's a really good score. Yeah, for IMDb, I feel like everything yeah. is like got a three out of 10. At least what yeah. I watch, people hate it. Yeah, oh, well. For sure. So our stars for the film, Craig Sheffer, Craig Schaefer. Anyways, did I just call him? <laughs> Sheffer. Craig Sheffer is our lead, Aaron Boone. Um, and Bobby plays his girlfriend. Her name is Lori. I'm going to take a small little segment to shout out David Cronenberg, who stars as Dr. Philip K. Decker. He's a Toronto. Why can't I speak? It's been so long that my language is not good. So he's a Toronto-born actor, he's a director, he's a writer, he's known as the king of venereal horror. He's also known as the Baron of Blood, which, I mean, I want that to be my title for anything. Baroness of Blood. David, if you're single and you would like a Baroness in your life, Mm -hmm. just know who to call. Me. So, yeah, uh, both of us. We will be (laughs) your concubines. So you may be familiar with some of David's work, Scanners, Videodrome, The Fly, Dead Ringers, Naked Lunch, just to name a few. Oh, yeah. He's oh, like, yeah. He's, in, he's into that really freaky shit. Like, I bet he'd be pretty, like, kinky in bed. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that borderline, he creates the- Borderline creepy. Yeah. Like, the hot way. <laughs> <laughs> hot borderline creepy yes yeah it's a slight feeling of danger and nausea as well as eroticism all mashed up together um another shout out on this list doug bradley plays dirk lylesberg you guys may know him as pinhead from almost every single fucking hellraiser movie the sequels the prequels it doug bradley legend yeah he's love he's him the only pinhead yeah i know He's nothing else to me other than another future husband. No, I mean, like the other pinheads, like I think there's like one other one and then now there's the girl one. Yeah. 
nothing can beat Mike Bradley. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't want to say I'm not interested. I I will be honest when I say I have not given them the time of day because I love the original, oh, yeah. even the garbage later ones of like the 90s. Actually, um, uh, Craig Sheffer plays a bad cop and I think Hellraiser 5. I think I bring that up again later in this podcast. So feel free okay. to ignore me. But yeah, he's in one of the Hellraisers as well. So you can see where we've got um, Clive Barker. You know, he keeps he keeps his fave people in his back pocket. Mm-hmm. So a little bit more about this movie. It was released on February 16th, 1990 in 1,488 theaters. It grossed $3.7 million on its opening weekend and went on mm. to make $8.8 million in the U.S. and Canada and then $7 million internationally for a worldwide total of $16 million on an $11 million budget. Okay. And so, now how much is that in today's money, I wonder? Probably oh, God. Like I'm sure there's a site. But, you know, it's still for – honestly, for the like the prosthetics and the design yeah. of everything, I'd say that a – Eleven million budget is pretty good. It's yeah. got a lot of footage, lots of action. Um, you'd be surprised, you know. There's explosions and fire and shit. So, I eleven million to me is like what that one guy that we mention all the time, Michael Bay, spends probably oh. four hundred mil just for his opening scenes. <laughs> Fucking bastard! What was I just thinking? Um... I was going to ask you, was like Jim Henson company mentioned at all? Like I'm trying to like think, I was like, I wonder if they had anything to do with like the, uh, the costume designs, but then yeah. I was like, oh, maybe well, Let's not. pause and I'll be right back with that information. So didn't find anything about Jim Henson being in charge of anything, but I'm going to just shout out the art direction by Ricky Ayers and everybody in the makeup department and art department. Obviously they fucking slayed this film. Uh, Jamie's going to talk about a bunch of creatures that we meet later on, um, and they are all <laughs> fucking amazing. But yeah, we'll we'll put a little pin in that until we get there. So the normal runtime of this film, and I believe it's the one that Jamie grew up with, it's an hour and 39 minutes versus what we watched, which was the director's cut of around two hours. So our boy Clive Barker has gone on record and he has said that he felt that the distributor Fox and the financiers, sorry to put you guys out there, Morgan Creek Productions, they never Mm -hmm. understood the film and they just cut the story into pieces so it would fit what their idea of the picture was meant to be. So fans were fucking delighted. Fans of this film were rock hard when Scream Factory announced that the original film was found. It was restored at 4K. It was recut under Clive Barker's supervision, and it ended a 24-year-long plea for the director's cut and that was released yeah. in October of 2014. And that's the version that we watched with a bunch of extra stuff in it. So I know that at one point, and I'm going to come, I'm going to follow up at the end of the movie with a scene, a couple scenes, but one in particular that was changed due to people not liking it. And I'm sure you'll maybe remember as we go things that would have been in the movie. I've never seen it before. This was my first time. So yeah, I am getting the director's cut versus you got something that I think something, a couple of things happen that are so different in the OG. So you can point those out when we get there. 
Yeah, definitely. If I can remember, my ADHD <laughs> is just like next level. Yeah, don't even <laughs> worry there, about it. I, like when I was watching it, there wasn't anything that really like popped out that was like, oh, this wasn't in it before as much as this time watching it there was like a little bit more dialogue and like mm-hmm. interactions of certain things and I mean it was like nice to have them but at the same time I guess because I watched it originally and I feel like you know friendships were made much quicker and like yes. didn't make as much sense so. yeah 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 totally yeah. all right well take us into the actual movie because I'm done ranting on about all of the facts and wisdoms that IMDb provided me with. Oh my God, but I was really enjoying it. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I don't want to start just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Let's get started. So once again, you know, this was one of my favorite childhood movies and it like it didn't like it wasn't like scary to me it was like a fun movie mm-hmm. and one of my favorite things were like well one like the most my most favorite thing about <laughs> this movie is like the underground world yes like everything that happens above ground is like just like you know whatever it's yeah. the fucking characters and the creatures and the story and the lore mm-hmm. that like i was definitely obsessed with so we begin our movie in some kind of cave or underground location made of stone. We see ancient drawings on the wall that seem to tell some sort of tale, including humans and humanoid creatures. We will get to learn more about this later, obviously. It's hard for me to not just gush everything out all at once, but mm-hmm. I really want you guys to have fun with this one. Can I just jump in and say that our careers yeah. as tapestry analysts continue? <laughs> like between midsummer and we're always looking up background images of shit like i'm I like know. when this movie started i'm like i swear to god jamie i swear yeah. to god um but a quick fact before you continue also is that the wall art was made by ralph Macquarie, and according to the director's cut commentary the wall pieces ended up being like or the wall ended up being break broken into pieces when the sets were demolished and clive oh, barker yeah. was pissed because he wanted to take some of those wall segments home and preserve them but they were all smashed yeah. up boo dude he could probably be selling those for like some bank on ebay right right <laughs> he'd probably make a sidewalk out of it or he'd something have or be like in his pool at yes. the bottom and like demons yeah. would come out of the pool mm-hmm. <laughs> hell portal i started rewatching buffy so i love it <gasps> I was thinking about watching Buffy again and um, also, too, because obviously, you know, I listen to podcasts all day whenever I'm working and Morbid being one of my favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm. They also have their podcast, uh, The Rewatcher, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I was oh like, if I rewatched it, I could also listen to the episode that they do about it after and hear what they oh say God, about I'm it so and see if there's things that I could like you know, that I didn't pick up on or something, even though mm-hmm. I've watched the series like 500 times. I know. I'm jealous of them. I want to do a Buffy podcast, but you know what? That's you- that's for another, maybe when we're 78 and settle down. Well, remember when, yeah, like a couple weeks ago, whenever I was like, we should do a dark podcast, like as if that was yeah. like an original thing. Like I'm sure there's probably 500 Buffy. No, remember, I'm like, I looked up, I found 32. I found 32 yes. in English. <laughs> There's like doctors, yeah. doctors and like sociologists and psychologists yeah. like doing them. And we're like, ours would be so much cooler though, actually. 
<laughs> oh, we're just vaping and farting. Like that would be our podcast version of it. <laughs> okay, please, please continue. Please continue. Okay, so I actually got to a point in my notes where I think that I must have like deleted a sentence. So I'm just going to fill it in here. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. So again, um, you know, we're starting off in the cave underground location. You're seeing these drawings. They're telling a story from the past. And we are suddenly running alongside some very interesting characters who definitely have some cool ass names but i can't remember i don't care how many times i've watched this Mm -hmm. like i don't know any of their names so i have made nicknames based off of some minor knowledge i know about them but it won't give anything away and how they look so first up we get like a death scream um (laughs) and then we get a flash of my favorite character the sexy porcupine Mm -hmm. woman Mm -hmm. she looks like you know a naughty version of your pet hedgehog like with some tatas oh yeah and you know she definitely looks dangerous like those things are pointy and yeah big old spiky tits maybe there's poison on them (laughs) i don't know barbs barbed boobies her boobies and then for like a second we just see this like really tall like giant head little face thing (laughs) and the best way i can describe it which is actually ironic because i already mentioned that movie earlier but the movie little monsters Mm -hmm. that the main like the 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 villain the boy and whenever you like rip off his face after he just kind of looks like this character nice so i love it if you know what i'm talking about and you got that and you see it and you're like it does look like the like boy then that's awesome and if not just continue because next we have spicy devil boy (laughs) now he looks like he maybe was like a matador in a past life he looks like a little like spanish um a a a, a true how do you say that yeah accoutrements and um yeah maybe maybe he has the bull horns now because he was a bullfighter before and that's not appropriate so now in the afterlife he must be a bull one Mm -hmm. i don't know uncle bad touch I call him uncle bad touch because he's just really like he's got that like creepy uncle who like does the bad touch vibes. oh like charlie's uncle i'll I'll, I'll, okay you make you will always make simpsons references i will always make always sunny references so uncle jack kelly (laughs) uncle jack kelly and then we get the banshee and like she straight up looks like a banshee she's just like running on her hands and knees she's got like the big long teeth and the black scraggly hair it was either between the banshee or the hag but yeah, mm-hmm. she was like running around and not in like somebody's bed. So that's me going and getting to the coffee machine in the morning <laughs> on my hands and knees screaming <laughs> with scraggly black hair everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So at one point you get like the flash of Nightbreed and it's in this like really awesome font. And I just needed to point out the font because I feel like you would appreciate mm-hmm. the font. Mm-hmm. And it was like in this bright pink, like neon color. I just, like, loved it. When it came in with that hot pink, I was Mm -hmm. very, very excited. I'm like, we are in the 80s. We need more neon pink on black background for everything. It matches our fucking branding. Yeah, totally. We love that retro shit. I love it. 
I hope nobody can hear all three of my dogs snoring right now because they only do it when I'm recording. All right, so our fun little group of characters are running, they're tripping, they're laughing maniacally <laughs> through some tall grass or some giant goth as fuck pair of gates. Mm-hmm. This is serving us some foreshadowing and boom. Or should I say boon? <gasps> it is all but a dream. But a sexy dream. <laughs> and you know what is creepier than a dream, Mel? What? Someone sitting on your bed watching you sleep. That oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yep. I want to go back to the porcupine tits instead of waking right? up and having somebody looking at my sleeping body while I sweat and panic. Yeah. But our male lead protagonist, who Mel has lovingly added in the notes, will have the nickname Aaron, and now I'm saying this, I'm going back. (laughs) I forgot that his name was Aaron because I always knew him as Boone. So Mm -hmm. I thought you were making a little joke and calling him Aaron because he looked like Aaron. So I was like, oh, ha ha. That's just his name. That's actually literally his name was Aaron Boone. And I only called him Aaron because one, I never saw the movie before. And two, I went to IMDb and was like, his name is Aaron Boone. (laughs) Yeah. So you're like, okay, we're going to call him Aaron the whole movie. But really, everybody calls him Boone. Yeah. And then then I literally went back and I started changing my notes because I'm like, God, I'm such a loser. I was calling him by his like common name. Ooh, everybody calls him Boone. (laughs) So I have to do it too or else I'm an outcast. Definitely. He's like... Like he's trying to get the Aaron taken off of his birth certificate. Yeah, he, he wants is. to go full share. Madonna, all of it. <laughs> so again, our lead male protagonist, um, Aaron Boone, who we will call Boone for the remainder of this mm-hmm. episode, looks like a brooding version of Aaron, Mel's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem bothered by this soft-spoken, vanilla Katy Perry lookalike. <laughs> Lori the female lead and Boone, AKA Aaron's partner says she thinks they should take off for a few days and go somewhere special, which to that I say, can I have a coffee first, Bay? Bay. They are currently living in Calgary, which is something I never took note of before. So yay. The more we know. Calgary stampede, Bay Bay. Oh my God. That's why the blue boy, (laughs) the blue devil boy. Oh my God. Okay. Somewhere to get away from work, phones and bad dreams. Now, if they could only see the world now in 2023, Mm -hmm. no work, not in this economy. Don't answer the phone. Everyone will hate you. Bad dreams. Well, that's the one thing he might have us beat on. As they embrace each other in bed, I can't help but wonder their age. (laughs) There is something about that 80s, early 90s look that ages one beyond their years. It's crazy. Like 15 to 20 years. 15 to 20 years older than what they actually are. Yeah. So can you tell me right now, like, do you know what their ages are? Did you look at that? Up? I didn't uh, look that up, but I figured if they have their own apartment, I, want you I would say that they're prop. Okay. So you want me to think of how old they actually are in it? They look no, like. How, how old do they look? Yeah. Yeah. I think that they like, to me, they look like 29. Okay. Okay. So Craig Schaefer, AKA Boone. A.K. Ron is 30. Nailed at, it. At the time. And and Bobby is 23. Oh, shit. It's that fucking Bob. Yeah. That Ann Bob Bobby that they gave her was just and the not turtlenecks a- with the big sweaters. I know. And the feathered banks and the shoulder pads. It's just. Am I delusional? I, I just feel like 
Okay, millennials look fucking great. Mm -hmm. I just have to say it. Is it all of the preservatives from our food, the fluoride? Are we vampire? I don't know. Maybe we're vampire. It's the vampire fluoride suckers, definitely. Oh, yeah, 100%. And the preservatives, Mm -hmm. for sure. That canned food, baby, that's spam. I think I'm just going to live off of honey. I bet if you just ate honey every day, you would live forever because it's the ultimate preservative. <laughs> I don't know why I think of these things. I'm going to go I'm going to go take a bath in a bog because like yeah. that preserves bodies, right? I'll just go bog diving. Oh my god, bog bodies. Yeah, bog yes, bo- I love it. A hot bog body. Mm. <laughs> Boone looks off into the distance and mentions someone by the name of Decker. That has been calling him all week. Now, I'm going to tell you now that he is a psychiatrist, and I find it way easier to believe in a sexy porcupine woman and a blue devil boy than a psychiatrist (laughs) going out of their way to stalk you for an appointment. No, they're not even returning your calls. What do you mean he's calling him all week? Unless, like, you're a, you know, a risk, I guess. But even then, they just send the cops to your house. Exactly. They don't want anything. Has anybody ever seen the movie What About Bob? Like, come on. <laughs> they want to go away. Okay, well, it has Bill Murray in it, and that's okay. all you need to know. Perfect. And Richard Dreyfus. Okay, amazing. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so uh yeah, so it's also a little bit creepy. Um, but Lori thinks it's a good idea that Boone go see the doc and let him know like you're all better now. You know, you're feeling good. You're feeling healthy. Things are going great, minus those chaotic demon-filled nightmares that you have every night where you wake up in a blistering sweat. Mm -hmm. But besides that, everything's great. Yeah, it's fine. So Boone says he is actually starting to like these dreams, which (laughs) cough, cough, foreshadowing. And also, those are some really fucked up dreams, Boone. So maybe you should go see your psychiatrist. Anyways, this gets Lori in the mood and they begin to neck and the canoodling begins. And also, did I mention that Boone is wearing like little white underwear? Anyways. (laughs) With skin marks all up the back. (laughs) You know, you know, like you can't see a pair of those whites, friggin' male granny panties. Yeah. Grampy panties. Grampies. (laughs) And not know that there's a fucking skin mark on the inside of them. Just a little one. They're made for it. Yeah. I don't know. They're basically like toilet paper that you wear and you shit all up in them. Shit all up in them. (laughs) All right. So the canoodling begins and then we pan to our friend, the full moon, who makes an appearance in every single movie and every single reality TV show I watch. So just to signify that chaos is about to ensue. Why does nobody like a nice crescent moon? Like, are we over them? Nobody wants a waning crescent or the weird awkward shaped bulb. Like, you know, it, there's what more about than a new just moon. A, yeah. How about a like no nothing. moon? Yeah, exactly. How about like, just black. How yeah. about just black? <laughs> That's even creepier. Yes. All right. The canoodling's over. The full moon has risen and the phone is ringing and Boone jogs down the staircase from the room yes looking way more fine than tommy and greg i'd follow him and libby Lori, lisa whatever her name lisa. is up those stairs and have a pillow fight if you know what i mean i know what you mean jamie and you know what they say two's nice but three's a crowd then <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Decker. 
Hey. Long time no speak. Four months. So you miss me? I need to see you. Well, I'm healthy. Feeling good. I like to believe that I really would. Still believe it, it's true. I'm still in my office, I'll wait for you. Oh, I uh, can't. I'm on my way out. Tomorrow. Okay. Is something wrong? Don't let me down. I'll be there. So that was the least therapeutic phone call I've ever heard. <laughs> like, are you supposed to feel dread when you go in for a session? I think I'll just get BetterHelp, the app for people who don't <laughs> like leaving their fucking house. Please sponsor us. Please sponsor us, BetterHelp, please. <laughs> and we end our scene with Cronenberg, mm-hmm. lovingly named because he is a sci-fi master opening up an expensive looking briefcase like the ones you put drugs into. <laughs> or Jack the Ripper's knives. Yes, exactly. We now fade into a new scene at a new house with this adorable chubby couple being all cute and shit, tickling each other and enjoying each other's well-fed squishy bits. Oh, but I like being fat because it's comfortable. And I like myself fat. I like being fat too. These people are my fucking team, bro. Oh, 100%. I'm at that stage in my life (laughs) that instead of just continuing to tell myself that one day I'll be skinny again, I'm just accepting it and I'm happy with it. Embrace it. I am, 100%. I'm embracing it. Just like they're embracing this fun little (laughs) tickling game, but it's getting a bit too loud. And every parent knows one does not wake the child Mm-mm. once it has been placed in the sleep chamber. <laughs> we don't need a serial killer, my dude. Mom would murder dad on the spot if little Johnny, Johnny, Giuliani, <laughs> little Jimmy John came running down the stairs. Little Giuliani. <laughs> little Rudy Giuliani coming down the stairs. Why do you think he's all fucked up? He definitely walked into this situation once or twice in his life. Uh, but alas, it is too late. The little Giuliani has stirred <laughs> and is just standing on the second floor, peering down through the banister like some little fucking demon. Mm-hmm. But he just had a bad dream mm-hmm. and is searching for reassurance. And that's what mommy gives him in this audio. Mommy. You are supposed to be Betty Buys. I heard something. What did you hear, honey? A bad man. Oh, everything's all right. You go back to bed, Munchkin, and I'll come and see you a bit later, okay? Okay. Speaking of demon, I don't know if you notice this, but mom's eyes are literally jet black. I didn't there is notice. not a single iris <gasps> in sight. Oh my god. They are creepy, but mainly they remind me of Mr. Burns in that episode where the town has like started seeing an alien like glowing through the forest and like he comes every night and so the whole town goes to catch him and it just turns out to be Mr. Burns. It's just all fucked up and high from his like 
weekly procedure of keeping him alive which like (laughs) makes his back all like weird because he goes through like the chiropractor and then this and this so like there's an explanation for everything and they're like but why is he glowing and they're like well years of working with radiation and he's like i bring you love i bring you love it's bringing love don't let it get away break his legs I actually remember that episode. So like, this is a Simpsons reference. I am getting, bitch. Amazing. So mommy just dismisses little Johnny and walks away, completely ignoring his warning. As she passes by the back door of the mudroom, I can't tell, to head to the kitchen. On the way there, though, she sees that the inside door is open a creek, but the back door remains intact. And I'm pretty sure unlocked because the late 80s of it all. Yeah. Joan shrugs. She looks like a Joan. So that's what I've named her and continues into the kitchen. She opens up the freezer and begins rummaging. I think she grabbed fries. Yeah. But she's apparently not the strong silent type like the little four eyed kid from the 1988 McCain commercial. Because <laughs> those fries are not for her. <laughs> As she closes the freezer door, the other father, you know, from Coraline, is standing there, (laughs) totally not predictable, with his beautiful button eyes and zipper smile. He slashes her once, twice, across the face. You know how some people wear their heart on their sleeve? Well, Joan wears it in her cheeks because those cuts seem to do the trick and she tumbles to the ground left to gurgle to death. Okay, unfortunately, it was hockey night, so dad didn't hear shit and wasn't paying any attention to the sounds of his wife taking her last breath. (laughs) Little John Bill is still standing at the landing, watching (laughs) as the literal boogeyman walks by into the living room. The ragdoll from Korn's second album, Issues, (laughs) dims the lights, and dad... (laughs) Who has this back to him? Smiles. Joan is either back for round two or back with my goddamn french fries. But he isn't smiling for long as Raggedy Andy slits his throat from behind. And all I can think is, do you think he thinks that's Joan? Yeah. Is it because he woke the kid up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, man, I didn't pay enough attention to my girl. Instead, I'm watching the hockey. The good old Calgary Flames. And uh, it's the last thing, last thing he'll ever do on this planet. So, you know, it's so funny. It's like it brings me back to Doom Asylum, where it's like if he thinks it's Joan, he's just like, sorry, I didn't do the dishes last night, sweetie, but you didn't have to take it to this level and then murder. Yeah. Or he's like, we may not have the same political beliefs. (laughs) Anyways. Okay. So we pan back to the hallway. Little Tom Tom is still lurking, but... As the main dude from The Strangers approaches, he backs away with one single tear <laughs> moistening his soft child cheek. Rest in peace, Billy Bob John Giuliani Jr. Can I also say that the scene, and I'm sorry to go away from this yeah. movie, but back to Crybaby, when yeah. she chugs the glass of Johnny oh. Depp's tears, I gagged the first time I watched that movie. And I literally, because you know the taste of your own tears. I'm sure everyone has cried yeah. into their mouths once or twice in their lives. 
I was so physically repulsed by that. I don't know. It's like supposed to be romantic. I was so sick. The idea that it came from somebody else's eyeballs and it's a full glass. It's a full fucking glass. It's a glass of salt. I'm like eye boogers. Oh, don't even. I'm sick to my stomach. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's continue. All right, so R.I.P. Billy Bob Jr. Billy Bob Giuliani. We are now <laughs> back with our potential protagonist, who appears to be a mechanic. I can tell this because there are cars. He's welding <laughs> things, and his shirt is open, exposing exposing <laughs> his oil slicked pectorals, just like when I go to Jiffy Lube. It's totally realistic. <laughs> Jiffy Lube has such a foul fucking name that I only I expect oiled up pectorals to be placed there. Like that's it. Jiffy Lube. Anyways, Jiffy Lube. Ooh. Am I right? Yeah. All right, Boone looks up and almost sees up his girlfriend's skirt. Thankfully, it was you down there and not one of the other (laughs) many employees we can hear talking and banging on shit in the background. (laughs) Boone still has another car to do, but he has time to swap some spit. They make out for like two minutes straight and it's fucking cringe. Like it's hot, but you know, all the guys around are getting semis. Like for sure. Giant, the way that they kiss in between every word, it's my kryptonite. It's oh, like, oh, are we gonna go to the no, thing? Later? Are we gonna? No. Are we gonna? Oh, but no. I'm so sorry, but I hate Everybody it. Everybody just stopped listening. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, including me. I'm yeah, you come out. Exit Zencaster. No. Bye. Ever since I was like a young child, literally, my mom would like kiss like my stepdad or whoever. <laughs> um, and it was just like you just Ugh. hear those sounds, and I wanted to punch. It's because things. we've all. Is that time? We've got auditory (laughs) issues for sure. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Like, and it's only certain things like I could, you could eat beside me and make all the noises and I wouldn't notice it. But Oscar like licks the couch for a minute beside me and I cut the tongue out, like want to cut the tongue out and Mm -hmm. light the couch. Everybody's dead now. Not only are they just sitting there necking, she has on a white shirt. I can't wear a white shirt, period, without getting something on it. Meanwhile, she's totally cool with him, kissing her neck and transferring harsh chemicals onto her skin Mm -hmm. and shirt. Lori tells him to meet her at the club later. Meanwhile, in Calgary City. (laughs) Dude, I love. Okay. Everybody, you are going to come to learn that we've got three points of references for everything. It's The Simpsons, Always Sunny, and The Room. That is what we know. It's what we love. And we will compare every fucking movie to those three things. And it's just who we are as people. Oh, sorry. yeah. Yeah. Before heading to the club, Boone makes a quick pit stop at his stalker's office, Dr. Decker. They are shooting the shit. And the doctor is saying all sorts of inappropriate things like... Murder is very, very real. It might start in the mind, but then it changes to flesh and blood. Two days ago, the police brought me some photographs. They wanted to know if any of my patients was capable of doing what's in those photographs. I'm going to show them to you. Well, that was a Mm -hmm. lot to take in for, you know, just a casual visit over at the doctor's (laughs) office telling if you're feeling much better. So is he trying to implant the thoughts in Boone's head that he's a psycho murderer or did Boone actually murder people? Who is Boone really? And who the fuck is this Decker who is clearly not a professional (laughs) fucking psychiatrist? I was so confused. It becomes like a... 
it becomes like a, yeah. a theme in my note that Decker is just allowed to be everywhere in the middle of investigations. Like just like in those fucking cop shows where the writers like, I'm a writer of crime fiction and I want to be on the case with you guys. And they're like, sure, no problem. Here's a car and a yeah, gun. thank <laughs> you. Like, here's the next place we'll be going. Would you like to carpool or meet us there? Like what's, what's the deal? So Boone takes the doctor's orders, which is to take these pills that he was given, that he has absolutely no idea what they are or what they're supposed to do. He is back home now with these pills. He pops them. He gets all delirious. He starts burning a bunch of papers and photos on his living room floor. Yeah. And I really hope that he isn't renting because I don't think he'll be getting their deposit <laughs> back. While his apartment, though, is slowly going up in flames, he elusifucks his girlfriend. Elusifucks. Oh, my God. His girlfriend. And this seems, him. <laughs> it seems to disgust him. Yes. Like, it's disgusting to him. But maybe it's because that's the bad Boone, the killer Boone. So Boone hops into the shower. Um, did he put out the fire? We don't know. <laughs> So our next scene brings us to Lori. Lori is a lounge singer and she's singing her heart out at a cabaret show without a care in the world. Lies. No idea, no idea her or Boone's home is on fire or that he might be a serial killer. Or that he's, she might also be there being fucked by him while he watches and cries in the corner. Like, the whole thing is crazy. Yeah, he's just using the tears as lubricant as mm -hmm. he cries and, and rubs Burns. one out to himself. <laughs> why, oh, why is Boone trusting this creepy doctor? And why didn't he talk to Lori about all of this shit before popping some pills and starting a fire? Like, men, men, please do us all a favor. Talk to your loved ones before going all in on the whole murderer thing, okay? Mm -hmm. We might be able to give you some feedback. Yeah, maybe, you know, you'll talk to somebody else who doesn't just convince you that you possibly killed six families or whatever and then take the pills. Just, you know, just he right? just does it. He just does it. Well, like, I'm sure they were necking or whatever it is that they do during at least one of those murders. Like, mm -hmm. that's all they do together. So... You know, how was he gone every single time? Like, it's not very hard to see where somebody is. Like, I'm sure he has an alibi unless that doctor literally is just fucking calling him everywhere. But they didn't even have cell phones. So what the fuck? Yeah, it's anyways. anyways he, I just he I love how he believes what his therapist tells him. And it's just like, OK, I guess I'm going to go confess now. That's fine. Well, I guess I'll go home, take these pills that will make me feel better. And then I'll go confess and everything yeah. will be wonderful wrong right. wrong so boone shows up at her show but i'm pretty sure he is still fucked his <laughs> eyes are rolling in the back of his head it's too much for him to handle this shit this shit's you know got a bad vibe peace out coming out was a bad idea going back <laughs> i guess that shower didn't work no you know how showers I are supposed to make the drug feelings just go away <laughs> oh it doesn't work like that no oh my god the best thing to do if you need to check yourself when you're on drugs is lock yourself in the bathroom and sit on the fucking floor. Ground That's yourself. What I do. And vitamin C helps purge things from your system just a bit quicker. Not, it's, it's not going to cure. It's not going to cure it. But, you know, you'll start peeing things out a little bit faster. 
also just drink a ton of water and yeah. eat something mm-hmm. because you know your body is metabolizing everything and if you have more shit in your you know system pumping through welcome to our podcast where we talk about drugs and cures for bad trips um tune in when we go over ghb in ourselves next week anyways let me take you guys to the stage where Lori is now wrapping up her banging set. And I've got a fun fact for you. And Bobby sang Johnny Get Angry live. That is her wow. voice. She was really good. She's really fucking good. Anyways, she just misses Boone quickly leaving because he's chipping balls. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess she didn't see him. He's gone. And she finally gets home to her place. She enters the apartment and she starts calling out for him. But there's no answer. She then grabs that old black rotary phone and calls his place, but she gets the answering machine. So she leaves a message saying that she thought that he was going to be there and to come over when he gets the message. And we hear her message playing on the answering machine in his empty apartment. And for some reasons, there are pigeons cooing so loudly during that scene when we're listening to her leave that message. I love that we've been watching movies also where like the sound effects, somebody wanted them at 10. They're not dialing it back. It's not au natural. I thought pigeons were going to be part of this film. Didn't happen. I was disappointed. This is what it feels like when doves cry. (laughs) All right. So I'm not sure if Boone will be getting that message or coming over, though. Because we're now following him in an absolute state. This motherfucker is shambling through the city streets and having vivid flashbacks of the murder photos that Decker had shown him earlier. So I love how he was actually doing so well. And then his doctor, air quotes, who seems sketchy as fuck, just rattled his brain with some snuff snapshots and some fucking drugs and was like, there you go. Like, enjoy your life now. So I guess, you know what? He might decide it's all too much, or maybe he doesn't decide anything because it looks like his brains are absolute liquid. He's just pouring sweat. He's completely out of it, and he steps in front of a semi-truck. So there's a quick few flashes flashes of the porcupine sex demon that we saw earlier. She fills his mind as the screen goes white in the headlights. Don't be too sad or worried, though. Our boy is somehow fine. We join him. He is sitting in a doctor's office getting his eyes tested with a flashlight. So, yeah, yeah, that'll explain why he survived an encounter with a 12.5 tons of steel. Like, I I Googled how much a semi weighed to be like, how did he make it? But regardless. You know what? Actually, we're going to share um, on Instagram a photo of what it looks like whenever a deer is hit at full velocity. No, I'm joking. <gasps> never oh, do that. I was going to say, <laughs> what is this? Like, what just happened? We would never do that. What a never, fun and never. sick, sad joke, you sick piece yeah, of I shit. Know. No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> so our nice, friendly doctor and nurse, they ask him what he's on. And he responds like, man, like my usual prescription prescription is lithium oh no 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 the doctor says whatever you were on was some sort of pharmaceutical grade hallucinogen and goes on to confirm we know the therapist is sketchy okay so the doctor says the magic words that you and i know all too well 
You're on what we used to call a bad trip, old buddy. So yeah, Boone is left to ride out this horrific high in a hospital bed. And we hear some auditory hallucinations of the word Midian, which he was talking about earlier with the therapist, right? So he decides, I'm going to follow these voices, which turn out to not be coming from his high brain, but from a fellow patient in the acid ward. <laughs> My favorite. Why won't you come? What did you say? Shut up. So yeah, this guy is also in a state and he is going off. But also at the same time, he's trying desperately to open the hospital window, which looks like it's on a really high floor. So he's on bath salts or PCP <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. So this dude to me is like the original Eddie Munson with his long stringy dark hair and his band t-shirt, um, which totally date this guy in high school or even now, really. Oh, for sure. He's that 25-year-old drug dealer when you're like 16. He's <laughs> so hot. That's hot. So as the two suspiciously ask each other what they know about this Midian place, they essentially describe it as a place where you are forgiven and only the worthy are accepted there. It's kind of like Methy Valhalla, I guess. But this new dude claims to know where it is, and he pulls out some cool goth rings that are basically like these large cat claws. So... He Definitely thinks- like new metal, like before oh. new metal. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. If yeah. you went to like one of those like goth cyber goth like dances too, for sure everybody's wearing those rings. Everyone's wearing them. The singer of Disturbed has them nailed to his chin. Like it's, it's <laughs> just the vibe. Mud veins got them <laughs> nailed to their head. It's true. Doug Bradley has them nailed to his head too to be how <laughs> pinhead. So yeah. Anyways, our new friend thinks that Boone was sent to take him there as this test to prove his worth. And he says he must show his guide his true face. And then he starts peeling his fucking skin off with his cat claw rings. He's so dramatic. Just have to prove my worth to you. See how serious I am? My face is removed. It is so epic. This scene is what got me. Like, I mean, I already thought the movie was cool and I was like on the ride. And then this got me. I I was like shot up in my seat. I'm like, okay, is this what we're doing? This is what we're doing. Good, 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 good. So we pan over to like, as Jamie said earlier, for some reason, the therapist always on the scene. So he's leading in Detective Joyce and some other officers down the hospital halls. Um, He's also going over Boone's psych evaluation with them. And they are clearly here to arrest him. Okay, the psych is telling him that he is likely the culprit of all of these murders. Um, But you know what? This conversation is interrupted by the loud screaming coming from the room. We get a glimpse. Eddie has now peeled a large chunk of his scalp off and his hair off. He's in a state of shock and despair, and he's trying to hand these pieces of his flesh over to his roomie. And who he reminds me of? Fucking Chucky before he's Chucky. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes, because he gave me... Um, the same actor plays Grima Wormtongue in Lord of the Rings. And he gave me, yeah, the Chucky Grima Wormtongue. What is our boy's name? I usually I'm can remember it right it. now. Brad Dourif. Oh, Brad Dourif? Yes. Yeah, there. Charles Lee Ray. Yes. 
a, yeah. so a touch of the Charles Lee Ray vibe. No, I loved him. I love him. He's amazing. Yeah. And as he's trying to hand his scalp to his roommate, I like Boone is having none of it. He starts backing out of the room. Literally 25 nurses, doctors, police, they rush in to aid the wailing man. And <laughs> like legitimately one person and a clean towel would have sufficed but sure okay yeah go ahead send everyone i'm sure everybody who's suffering from gunshot wounds and cancer will be just fine on their own and don't <laughs> worry about it so as the hallway clears boone is standing there and he locks eyes with his old compadre the therapist who begins approaching him but our lead takes off yes I love that suspenseful music. So it was my favorite whenever as they walked in and he's literally peeling off his own face. Yeah. They look at him. They're like, what have you done? <laughs> he's like, what? I didn't, I didn't even catch that. I love that. They're like, oh, you, you must be the killer. What are you doing killing this guy who seems to be removing his own head? He's literally just head. laughing hysterically. Yeah. He's like, ah. Oh my god. So good. That scene, guys, honestly, it is perfection. Mm, Chef kiss. Chef kiss that. So we see our main detective, Joyce, uh, the doctor, the therapist, they meet after tending to the scalpless man who is apparently just rambling and he's making no sense. The detective says he's talking about a place called Midian. It's fucking Midian place, guys. It is it is a core theme of this film, and everybody's trying to find it. The doctor lets us know that he's dying, or at least he wants to. So the sketchy therapist convinces somehow both the detective and like the doctor that Boone has manipulated the patient into skinning himself somehow. But don't worry, guys. He knows how to work through his patient's mental influences. Of course, though, he will need complete and total privacy with the patient here. So we pan down to the Sykes briefcase, and I have a feeling it's not nice in there. So the doc walks into the bandaged man's room and begins drawing the curtains so we know it's not going to be too good for our new friend. Uh -uh. No, no. Well, Boone has escaped, and at this point he is driving like a bat out of hell into the countryside. He is following the raving man's directions to Midian. And he eventually drives up to the goth steel gates from the opening credits that Jamie was talking about. So mm-hmm. he steps in and it is a beautiful cemetery. It's got the most gorgeous like backdrop of a dusk sky. It looks so fantastical. I had such the feels looking at this scene. Oh and my god, it literally looked like the fucking secret garden yes. like a unicorn should be going by. Yeah, except that he's walking through stone statues of maidens and demons, right? But yeah. it's still, it's really beautiful. And he decides to stop for a quick snooze for whatever reason as the sun sets and it begins to cover the cemetery in darkness. Probably the drugs. Probably yeah, probably, the drugs. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> probably the drugs yeah yeah he's he's burned out now <laughs> also i just wanted to point out something i just realized now mm-hmm. it like he leaves this hospital and within like five minutes he's at midian yeah and, like that's what it feels like in the movie you know we somebody decides to go on a little road trip and it just like takes like two days <laughs> it's true i guess they were showing Maybe. how fast he was driving but my god like you i bet it was like 
yeah, like it, there was magic involved. Oh, like a transportation. Da, 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 da. Okay, I David like Cronenberg that. Probably built like a like a transporting thing for them for the movie. Yeah, like literally fly. elements space. That's magic. why all the people underground look the way they do, because yeah. like a little moon got stuck in with the one guy, and a porcupine <laughs> yeah. got stuck in with the other. So it's like kind of a fly. They're half. They totally fly themselves, which also like yeah. hi, he's in charge of the fly. LOL, like exactly. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Everything comes full circle. So, anyways, um, our boy Boone, he wakes up to a mouth of a cute little Boston Terrier who takes oh off God, quickly oh God, oh as Boone wakes up, kind of spooks him and he runs away. So his owner, who seems to be some sort of shirtless guy with the big necklace, walks off with him through the shadows. But you know what? Ignore that weird scene because we have bigger fish to fry. Boone is suddenly jumped by a demon with some big forehead and chin, wielding a knife, presses it to his throat, and Demon 2, who is red with marinara hair, I called him, because <laughs> marinara, approaches the scene. So marinara has no time for Boone's shit, but you know what? Boone is trying to fucking sound tough, and he sounds about as tough as every guy who's literally drawn with eyeliner, a teardrop tattoo by his eye. You're no gangster, but he hits us with this audio clip here. We should take him alone, Palaquin. He's not night breed. He's natural. No. I've killed people. I'm like you. That's why I'm here. Shut the fuck up. You meat. I don't know what I, my nickname for him was, but like sexy, like dreadlock hair man. I don't yes. know, but I remember feeling as a child like he was like bad, but I was like attracted to him. So that totally was like one of the beginnings of like my toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I always just like love the bad boys with spiky teeth and spaghetti hair. Oh my god, he was so hot to me. But like, I for this when we did the research for this, I looked up the actor and I was like, oh god, no. Yeah, <laughs> he that's looks so true. much better with marinara hair. He does. He really but does. He's are weak in his fucking mom's spaghetti's on his head and already. <laughs> so. So good. So Boone keeps trying to convince this demon he belongs in Midian with them. The demon shows him and he takes a finger full of blood, which is now slowly trickling from the human's neck and says he can smell that he's a natural. And that means he's meat for the beast. I don't know what that means, but it sounds awesome. So yes. Marinara then starts transforming into a dustier version of himself, which since I'm writing my notes past my bedtime at this point, I started calling him Alfredo Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> it was all pasta related. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So the big forehead moon face He's demon. He's like split. He's like, yes. this is Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. Me for Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> meet for patricia my new band name okay so now our moon face demon calls to his friend and says he mustn't attack the human it is the law this is the way and alfredo replies fuck the law before biting a huge meaty chunk out of boone's shoulder mm-hmm. boone somehow gets loose from his jaws and he books it as marinara alfredo chases him we also pan past a mausoleum door And the camera begins to descend to an underground shot. And we learn that 
the cemetery is full of more monsters and they are waking up from the action happening upstairs. I don't know, you know, thin walls. I don't know if this grave dirt is super thin, but they can hear everything from down there. So we get a beautiful score of the audio is just their laughs and chanting. They're filling the air as Boone checks the bloody bite on his shoulder from a safer spot away from the demons. Now, Forehead Demon enters the scene again to help our lead get to the gate and to fully escape before Jar Jar Marinara catches up. And the two demons watch as Boone stumbles away. But they sense that something else is out there in the darkness waiting for him, too. So we follow Boone out into the creepy tall grass or weed or whatever surrounds the graveyard. And Boone slowly makes his way through this darkness and he's clutching his bloody shoulder when all of a sudden, Freeze, a voice yells, and bright headlights flash on Boone. It's Detective Joyce, the sketchy Dr. Feelbad, and some other coppers, and of course they've got their guns drawn preemptively. As the detectives threaten arrest, the doctor gently approaches Boone, telling the cops he knows how to handle this. Inspector, I know how to talk to him. Boone, it's going to be okay. They know everything now. I've explained everything to them. They're not going to hurt you. I didn't do it. I didn't hurt anyone. Of course you didn't. You believe me? I believe you. He's got a gun! This doc is such a two-faced little bitch. And he mm-hmm. dives out of the way because you guys know police protocol. These dudes start open firing with pistols, shotguns. They absolutely unload on Boone as Detective Joyce is calling for them to cease fire. So Boone, our boy, goes flying back and he lays in the tall grass, barely covered in blood for some reason, considering he was hit by about a thousand bullets. But you know what? He's presumably dead. The detective approaches and looks at the doctor and asks, so where is the gun? The doctor lies and says, oh, well, Boone reached into his jacket. I I can't believe it. I was riled up. That scene got me all riled up. Because... How do you just, you get a, like, this guy isn't a cop and he's yelling commands and the police are going to fire on his behalf. Like, why are you even there, Doc? What, like, what kind of power do you have? He's there because he wanted to know where Midian was. Yes. Nailed it. hmm Take it away, Jamie. R.I.P. Boone. <laughs> We now move over back to our loving leading lady, Lori, who is brought in to identify the body. I am guessing there are absolutely no family members in his life, which Mm -hmm. is sad. I wonder what his parents were like. (laughs) Lori gets to meet Dr. Decker, and you can tell right off the bat she is wary of him. Mm -hmm. The detectives ask what her and Boone's relationship was, and she gives my favorite answer to this question. What was your relationship with the deceased? We were lovers. We were sweet on each other. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Lori continues her interrogation with Decker, LOL, oh, and a cop, but mainly Decker, (laughs) which is completely normal. (laughs) Meanwhile, Boone is getting an autopsy because he's dead and all. When the doctor exits the room, there are some fun electric zap and a crash. (laughs) The detective, the doctor, Decker, and Lori, for no apparent reason, enter the room and the body is... You guessed it. Gone. Gone. Now, is Boone dead? Did someone steal the body and jump out the window? You'll have to wait till next week to find out. <laughs> LOL. Jace kidding. We're, we still Jace have like, kidding. like 20 more minutes, guys. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Okay. Cut to Lori crying at her apartment in a sexy ghost hallucination that rivals the end of The Return of the Jedi. Okay. And also Swayze, baby. Like, he gives me such Swayze vibes with his little hair. Oh, yeah. Like, when he's leaving and he's just like, have a great life, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Just looks back with Whoopi Goldberg beside him. <laughs> Sexy pottery time. Uh, meanwhile, back at Decker's, he is enjoying a lovely evening in with his giant knife collection and Andy Warhol-esque death decor. We will have to ask who his interior decorator is. And again, I apologize. A lot of back and forth. Meanwhile, back at Decker's, he is enjoying a lovely evening in with his giant knife collection and Andy Warhol-esque death decor. <laughs> I honestly, though, I do love his setup of long boardroom table. No people sitting there, just a lot of knives. And then the backdrop is, yeah, masonry style gallery of snuff. Girl, isn't it like literally the exact same room as in like Kill Bill when right? uh, Lucy Liu like runs across the table and cuts off somebody's head? yes. Oh, my God. Totally. And we are now back with Jack Torrance. I mean, (laughs) Lori in her car. I guess she has decided that she wasn't going to miss out on the road trip her and Boone were planning just because of a little shootout as she is cruising the mountains overlook hotel style. Totally. She pulls in for the night at us at some rest stop bar. There's like a sp- two spaces, Mel. Two spaces. I'm like, rest stop, bar. <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, okay. <clears throat> she pulls in for the night at some rest stop bar and goes in for a drink. Lori approaches the bar and requests a draft beer. Just any then, beer. Just any I beer, wrote, I guess. And then I wrote meme story, and I have no idea what that means. <laughs> This is what happens when we write our notes six months in the past. (laughs) Also, maybe, okay, maybe it's just because it's a dive bar and they're known to only have one on top. Back, like, I guess when things were just simple, you know, you go to a bar, you order a draft, you don't even have to say what it is because there was only one option. Well, you know, whenever I was in um, Dominican, they only had, like, yeah, like, one kind of beer on draft. I think it was called President, and it was mm-hmm. fucking delicious. And that's all I have to say about that. Amazing. So Lori strikes up a convo with the barkeep, asking if he knows where Midian is. The bartender does what all great bartenders do. He stops serving every single other person in the bar <laughs> to sit down and spill the tea with Lori. <laughs> what will it be, darling? Yeah, uh, draft? Coming up. I'm looking for a place called Midian. You're not the only one. A bunch of TV news folk passing through. This is they nailed that baby slasher up there. 
been a hell of a week for us. Took 30 shots to bag that sucker. And that leads her to the same place you can find any girl in the middle of a sloppy breakup. The bathroom. Yeah. Where she meets a lovely woman who gives her some straight up valuable of a, a valuable advice. She's the perfect friend for someone so quiet and meek like Lori. The woman who tells you what it is is sex positive, tells you how fucking pretty you are and that you can do better. If she only knew her comparison stories could never match the week Lori has been having. <laughs> it's true. But she is, Lori's way too sweet to try and one up that bitch. We are now several drinks in, and I assume because our bathroom BFFs for the night suddenly knows every single detail of Lori and Boone's whirlwind, whirlwind romance. Who I could talk. Yeah, girl. These two have bonded so deeply that our new sassy friend offers to go with Lori to find Midian, where she will check out where he checked out, quotation. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that this whole scene is the epitome of making friends while you're drunk at a bar and you make plans the next day with them. Like this new chick is going to wake up hungover as fuck and be like, God damn it. I agreed to drive this perfect stranger to an abandoned cemetery where her baby slashing boyfriend got gunned down by cops. Like what? I would never, I would, I would literally wake up the next morning and lock my door and put do not disturb. And like, just I'd hide in the bathroom when she was knocking on my door. That's what would happen. I have got, I've woken up to text. Like I gave my number to people and they're like, Hey Mel, like, remember we wanted to go on a hike. We want to go to the brunch, 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 brunch and hike, brunch and walk. I'm like, why would, what, what was talking in me? The will to do better, but the inability to think realistically like yeah I want to get up and have brunch and be healthy but I think instead I'm going to sleep in until four and then throw up a a lot and Mm then uh, maybe stand up by midnight the next (laughs) night maybe my my favorite is whenever you're like let's do breakfast and like you it's literally 4 (laughs) a.m You're like, we'll go home, take a little nap, and then yeah, we'll all yeah. go out for breakfast and, and get home keep... and just keep partying. Yeah, or we <laughs> end up going to an after party, and then it's 9 a.m., and you've missed breakfast. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and now you're supposed to be going to, like, lunch at your parents, and you're yeah. like, oh, god damn it. Anyways. Yeah, that's just, you know what, maybe not everybody's experienced it, but we're just sharing our lives. We're and just degenerates. We're just degenerate pieces of shit. And All we right. love it. <laughs> so our sassy friend, again, um, makes that promise that we all do when we're drunk in the bathroom to go with her the next day. Mm-hmm. But Lorley, Lorley, Lori, poli- <laughs> I need to stop reading five words at once. Lori politely tells her she doesn't have to do that, but Cheryl insists. So Lori calls it a night and the two will be on their way in the a.m. But Cheryl isn't ready to call it a night yet. As a sexy stranger across the bar sends a drink her way. We are now back in Midian, and our fave scalpless man is given <laughs> Boone a little tour yeah. and brings him to meet this special council of monsters. Boone needs to be initiated so he can live amongst his kind. Boone enters a chamber where all of the cooler and less scary looking monsters have gathered, including Marinera, Pointy Girl, Moonhead, sweet boy with doggo, etc. Yeah, the terrier's part of the crew. 
I love. One man stands out, though. He seems to be in charge. He is wearing a Jedi cloak, <laughs> resembles a Gandalf fish hybrid. He's so and hot. And he, my friends, is played by our boy Doug Bradley. I could not figure out who he played at first, and I didn't want to spoil it for myself. But after a while, I'm like, I feel like this is the voice of him. Girl, he looks like Gary Oldman. Yeah, also hot. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Gary Oldman once again. Playing yeah, every, every single character <laughs> in this movie, probably, including the fucking porcupine woman. Yes. With All the right. Spiky tatas. So, um, wait, who's. Okay. So, Doug Ullman <laughs> asks, Who advocates for this man? And Moonboy steps forward. This guy is like, has a thing for Boone. He does. Prior to continuing the initiation, the priest, leader, wise old man, asks if he understands what joining Midian entails. Boone replies, yes. But I would also like to know. But mm -hmm. we don't find out. No. No, we don't. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. This is a serious moment. But we get a fun little break in the tension when our favorite hairless man loudly strikes a match and lights his cigarette. The induction continues, and Doug Bradley slowly licks his lips. <laughs> that, my friends, was the sound of Doug's hand sizzling in the haunted birdbath. It, to me, it looked like boiling white freezy, dude. Right? <laughs> or just like the, that, like, frozen ice that's yeah. not frozen. Yeah, the, the, you know. That Anyways, one. guys, there was sick graphics for the ceremony. Oh I my God. highly suggest you check those out. They were Please fucking top-notch. Please do. <laughs> um, he removes his hand, which, again, the graphics, the, like, like the outline of mm -hmm. you could tell it was hot. <laughs> There's, like, the little stink lines, like in Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he removes his hand and places it on Boone's sexy chest. Boone gets a wink of approval from OnlyFace, and he is now <laughs> officially a member of the Stonecutters. Woo! Who controls the British crown? Who keeps the metric system down? We do. We do. Who leaves Atlantis off the maps? Who keeps the Martians under wraps? We do. Even Marinara is happy for him. There are Aww. smiles and cheers all around. Also, um, I didn't write this in my notes, but uh, Porcupine Lady, mm -hmm. she at one point, like her and Boone at the exact same time, like look at each other and whisper to their like significant others, mm -hmm. which is like the scalpless man and the uh, Marinara head. Like, I dreamt him. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just like, I don't understand like, and they don't really ever explain what their connection is. And it's not like they become friends after. Like, no. it's just kind of. I like, thought he was. Just, I thought yeah. he was going to ditch Lori and wind up with a monster because he's a monster person. Right? Um, So that's totally when I was first watching it where I thought. Or at God least was he would go. fuck her. You yeah. know what I mean? Like in one of those like mad, like he during his initiation, he's still on like those drugs from the doctor mm -hmm. and he's like, you know, going through a change of like becoming part of the undead underworld realm. And within that, he's like hallucinating and like actually having sex with her. Maybe like that scene with Marla yeah. in Fight Club. So maybe it happens in the book. 
Because again, this yeah. is based off of a Clive Barker's book, Cabal. I want to read it now. All right. So yeah, even Marinara is happy for him, smiles and cheers all around. Like this is where it feels like really fucking wholesome. But then yes. I remember that there's parts where there's like people eating other people downstairs. So <laughs> remember this happy moment for now. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> all right. Cut scene back to our dive bar to two raw eggs being cracked into what I assume is whiskey and I officially am throwing up in my mouth. Girl, can I come in and tell you what this is? Because I googled it. No, I googled it. It is apparently a legendary hangover cure called the Prairie Oyster Cocktail. It is a concoction of raw eggs, Worcestershire sauce, tomato juice, vinegar, hot sauce, salt, and pepper, dude. Okay, so it's like a clamato and with eggs. an egg. Yeah. yeah. Like that's literally I love how they call it like oyster whatever, because like I mean clamato juice is made with like clams, right? Yeah. So it's literally just uh, a Caesar with eggs. And a prairie oyster, <laughs> is that not bull testicles? Like that's what Ew. they're yeah. So the egg is meant to represent the oh. anyways. The whole thing makes my stomach hurt, but I'm kind of like Would yeah, the think- whiskey kill the salmonella? There was no whiskey. It's Worcestershire. Would the Worcestershire, <laughs> Worcestershire sauce? Maybe the, hot, maybe the hot sauce would kill off. Actually, you know what? Um, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I think would start his days drinking like ten eggs. So whenever I was young, that was such a normal thing to add to your milkshakes. Yeah. yeah. Like I always made my milkshakes with eggs in them because it made it extra. Like it gave it a different like texture. I can't Anyways. believe I've never heard of that. But yeah, besides the salmonella, the texture, the lumping, my throat, the explosion of juices as they break inside of you, it's cursed food. It's Cheryl's cursed food. (laughs) Cheryl Ann, no. Cheryl Ann, no. Our girl is nursing the hangover from hell and we all empathize. Mm -hmm. How could she go to bed when she is potentially meeting the love of her life, a divorced banker named Curtis? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who she Hot. tells bright eye and bushy tailed Lori all about. Mm-hmm. And when I say didn't go to bed, I mean, same outfit and all Cheryl can party with the best of us. Yeah, girl. Lori asks her if she's still located join her on her adventure to the place where her boyfriend was shot 500 times. <laughs> and Cheryl is loyal to the bone, probably a Virgo. And they are off. Insert Bilbo going on an adventure meme. Thelma and Louise. <laughs> arrive at the magical fantasy world and Lori goes off on her own and Cheryl stays behind to do something else to which we both assumed she meant masturbate yeah right like do something else is she gonna gonna sip that I I've done it when I've been hung over like it can actually help the endorphins yeah and apparently Whenever you have a headache, sex or like orgasms is mm-hmm. really good for you. Okay, so Lori is in magical land and Cheryl is hanging by the best tree. And oh look, here comes a visitor. Is doing here hello Shirley. 
and our reveal. <gasps> Curtis is Decker. Holy shit. Decker's a banker too. <laughs> what can't this guy do? Is that just some shithole backstory that he came up with? Like, oh, he's 100%. like, she'll it's definitely spill the beans. <laughs> oh my God. I'll pretend to be my loser's twin brother. And she'll definitely bang me. Mm -hmm. Well, we have officially reached the moment that traumatized me as a child. Some mutant cat humanoid <laughs> is now laying on the ground in the magical land seemingly in pain and i am sobbing like as a child i'm yeah. sobbing and this is the moment that my opinion of Lori takes a dramatic turn totally she is a fucking hero without a second thought she picks up this deformity and tries to soothe it yeah and suddenly a voice bring her And a transformation. What? Is it sick? What's happening to him? Um, help me. Jesus. Uh, what the hell is this? She likes to play outside. I tell her the sun will hurt her. She's just a child. She doesn't understand. She likes to play outside. You saved her. I owe you something. We learn that our cat friend is really a child, and the sun has an effect on her, and her name is Babette. Babette. The mother slash guardian, whoever she is, is grateful, and like a genie, tells her she owes her something. Bradley, a.k.a. the priest dude, a.k.a. <laughs> Pinhead, comes up the stairs suddenly and is like, bro, you're literally breaking the one fucking rule we have. Yeah, you're saying way too much, girl. But she helps Babette. Dougie says we cannot help her, but Lori has grown a pair and has some leverage and confidently says, I saved the child, so you owe me, dude. Fifteen bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, oh. So Gills says no can do on the helping you, but I have another deal for you. The child has no life to save. But what it has is yours, if you want it. That is the law. Do you want her? Lori is not into this deal, and our little crew fades away down the stairs and just assume that she'll leave. Yeah. Which she does not. Nope. She does not listen. She follows. There are snakes. Marinara shows up. <laughs> he gets all rapey. Yes, he it's does. It's chaos. Lori's like, what the fuck? She's pieces out and Mel takes over. I do. But before I take over, I want to circle back and just completely agree that Lori, when she like, I agree with you that the attitude change that I had towards her, like a normal person would see this creature on the ground. Like, I mean, maybe not a normal person. Most people. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I'm generalizing too much, but I feel like most people wouldn't care. Most people would be like, what the a fuck is that? A man would stomp it on the head. Yeah, probably. put it sorry, out of his mission. Sorry, men. Not all men, not all men. Not all not men. A, not all men. Um, but like, I feel like she just had that empathy in her to be like, I'm going to help this thing. I don't know what it is. It looks like a hairless cat with a wig and a dress on. Like, I don't know what it, it is. Eat her. It could eat her. And she was so down to save it. Um, and also, do you want the baby is the best line in the movie. Right. That's all like, I have to say about your segment. 
they don't even care. Like, she's just like, save the kitty child. Yeah. And then, like, they're like, but also here you can take her. And also, do you need a umbrella for the walk to the car? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right? Should I just put you in a duffel bag and carry you out? Like, what's up? Yeah. Anyways, between the snake staircase and all of the demons of the basement, Lori realizes real quick, fuck this place. And she quickly makes her way out of the demonic catacombs. Wait, she- Mel. I just thought of something really funny. What is it? So she, she brings the child home and like <laughs> she doesn't want to have to pay for like the price of like a babysitter. So she just leaves all the like curtains open. So like she's in like cat mode. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just is laying on the floor. Just shows up once like once a day to feed her. That's it. <laughs> Change the cat litter. Oh, my God. You don't even you. There's two robots that you can get. One's a feeder and one is a litter cleaner like she doesn't even need to even in the 80s wow yeah 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 you're right you're right you're right you're right (laughs) listen if there's magical demons i'm sure there's like a feeder roomba somewhere they didn't they weren't even using dna to solve crimes yet (laughs) (laughs) it's true true. your therapist just showed you photos of the crime scene gave you acid and then made you go confess (laughs) there's just a gallon of like the real killer's blood and they're just like oh it looks just like his blood (laughs) must be him This bucket has like 10 different types of blood in it anyways. So what do we know? (laughs) Anyways, back on the Earth's surface, uh, Lori is heading back to the car. She's loudly announcing to Cheryl, something's come up. We are going. But as she gets closer to the car, not only is Cheryl nowhere to be found, there is a nice fresh splash of blood on the passenger window. And I guess Lori couldn't tell it was blood until she literally gets right up in it like her she gets her face right fucking close to it so spooked by the red liquid she heads away from the car towards a familiar buzzing sound now as horror fans we all know what the sound of flies on a hot summer's day means in a spooky movie right mm-hmm. well Lori finds out real quick as she approaches cheryl's mutilated body which is strung up by the nice oak tree that she was smoking a dart by earlier her mouth is agape, and there's some sort of weapon lodged into her spine. Is very nice. Yes, it is very nice. Very, very nice. And also, too, I, I just wanted to say about the blood. At least she didn't do what like every other '80s horror movie does, where they touch like, it, go, touch it, and rub mm. it between their two, like their middle finger and their yes. thumb, and like then they lick it a little bit, yeah. <laughs> smell it, <laughs> lick it. What you're you are so right. What is that fucking thing people do? They always want mm, how viscous is it? Mm, like what is that? Ooh, it yeah, must like be blood. Like you know the difference in texture between like fucking warm nail polish and blood. I don't um, know. Also, you can smell it. Just gonna yeah, say iron. you can smell it. So Lori lightly panics and she spins around and comes face to face with. The baghead button-eyed killer from earlier, you know, the killer of the families from the beginning of the movie, he pulls out a long, sexy, rusty knife and holds it to her stomach, sexily saying her name. So somehow this chick has the courage in this situation to ask how he knows what her name is, and baghead barely hesitates before unveiling his face in a very fantastic way. He dips his finger deep into the mouth hole of the mask and then peels it off of his face to reveal what many of us surely knew already 
it's the fucking psychiatrist, therapist, doctor. I can't tell the difference between what those three, like those three things are. So I just keep calling him a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I literally don't know the difference and I'm sorry. I love the sexy like mask like Mm -hmm. removal and just like his little like bit of like kinky nature it would seem like we only get to see him kill that like family and like whatever the few other people but you know I really it just leaves that little bit of mystery of like what does he do with the bodies afterwards I want to spin off and like the pictures that they show they don't look like you know just the mom on the floor with her like titties rolling down the hallway like (laughs) they look much worse so and then like what does he do to the child i want to know not because i'm fucked up because it's a movie movie. but i need to know what he does to the children i want a prequel called dr decker (gasps) that's what i want let's make it tm 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 yeah trademark trademark that shit so anyways our doctor tells Lori, guess what bitch boone is alive and her death is gonna be the way to find him so like most mask killers you need the mask to perform the duty so on goes the bag face and then Lori starts to run it's the sequence of things it's the math we have to do in a horror movie she runs back into the cemetery she screams she trips And then begins to run away again like all women do when being chased by a killer. And the demons who live away from the danger of the sun below are clutching their little children and clinging to the safety of the darkness as they listen to the chaos happening above them. So one of these demons is Boone, of course, after his whole ceremony, and he loudly exclaims to the leader that he will not let Lori be butchered as a couple of other demons hold him back. The leader, however, reminds him of the oath that he literally just took about 10 <laughs> minutes ago with the whole ceremony thing like hey boone do you know what the rules are yes the <laughs> end he did not know the rules no he did not know the <laughs> rules that day um and you know he promised to obey the law but that's out the fucking window so boone yeah fuck the law he starts engaging in this demon brawl before rushing up to his girlfriend's aid which is great timing because Dr. Feelbad has Lori pinned and he is ready to gut her. The psych gets up and he stabs Boone in the chest as he approaches. But bitch, it does nothing. Boone is like, LOL, idiot. I am the walking dead. You stupid <laughs> son of a bitch. And then peel-faced Eddie comes out of the shadow as one naturally does to say this brilliant line. Are you going to kill him or not? <clears throat> Only I want his balls and his eyes. Unless, of course, you want them. I think I'll pass. Remember me, doctor? So I love this guy. He's fucking sick and twisted. But you know what? We learned what happened in the hospital room that night. Um, Eddie, I'm calling him Eddie, Eddie Munson. um, He goes on to describe how the psych actually tortured him and he made him give up his secrets about Midian, which is why the doctor knew where to go. So because the detective let him just be alone in a room with them to torture him, torture him, which is just crazy. So now he's looking for revenge and Eddie pulls out his cat claws and he goes to (laughs) slash the dock. But the psychiatrist is a slippery little weasel. And like all good villains, he gets away. So powered by hatred. Boone starts anamorphing into his next form, which is basically <laughs> him with some sweet carved scars on his face, but he's faster. 
Uh, Lori screams, however, distract him, and the psych gets away again as Boone returns to find Eddie dry humping his girlfriend under the pretense that he's <laughs> keeping her warm. He's, he's just keep- like petting her face with his little claw. Yeah. He's like, hello, pretty bird. <laughs> yes. I'm keeping you warm. It's a nice summer's day, but whatever. Um, Eddie warns Boone that she's not going to like his new look. So he shapeshifts back as to not scare All he her. has is just like runes or letters written on his face. It's literally his exact face with some Burnt swirls on it. Yeah. Swirls, with some yeah. graphic liner. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway. mystical shit. So, uh, Lori is passed out, whatever. Um, They all head back into the catacombs and Boone is now scolded for his rash behavior. Our leader tells him that he has put Midian at risk for being found out. But like Eddie's the one who told the doc where to go regardless. Anyways, he tells him, listen, just take your girlfriend and get the fuck out of here. This is the law. You idiot. Yeah. Quote unquote. (laughs) So (laughs) get the fuck out. You stupid bitch. So our rebel lead then asks, who made these rules, dude? Like, and then we learn, like, out of nowhere that the super popular demon Baphomet is the maiden of Midian. And guess what? She's got her own chamber in the depths. And Boone is escorted to it. And then to learn more, learn the history, all that good shit. And as he walks in, the statue or this mummified body, whatever she is, begins to glow, which was awesome. Yeah. And random, but awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a, I, I have a, some descriptors for uh, for them for later. Yeah, I can't wait. We're going to cycle back. In the meantime, meanwhile, at the local gas station, the <laughs> psychiatrist rolls up to use the phone to call for backup because, you know, he's a cop, I guess. Um, the weird but nice old man runs. Uh, wait, I'm going to redo that part. So the weird but nice old man who runs the gas station makes a comment about the dock smelling like Midian. So the psych is like, um, okay, bitch, sorry, what? And then presses him further to tell him what else is up there other than a cemetery. The old man, now realizing that he kind of said too much, says nothing. And he finishes with the dock. And as the dock leaves, runs up, locks the door. But as he heads back to his seat to sit down, he notices the back door is open and his dogs are barking. All of a sudden, old baghead creeps in and attacks the old man. We flash back to Midian. Lori is now being awoken by her nap, from her nap, in a coffin by a small kitten. And I love that these demons have pets. I love that maybe they're they're eating them. They're safe, but maybe they're eating them. We don't know. No, they're only eating other humanoids. Yeah, I really hope so. Fingers crossed. They're cannibals. yeah, she's just having a nice nap in her coffin. The kitten is her alarm clock. This is the life I want to lead. I also love that their wall decor is literally just human skulls yeah. from floor to ceiling. How many love humans died? It. Don't care. Love it. So lurking in the corner is the mother whose daughter she had helped er- earlier. So it's Babette's mom. I think that the mother's name is Rachel. Um, and it's so she- weird, too, because it's like... She clearly looks like she's of some, like, you know, Middle Eastern, mm-hmm. like, descent. Yeah. And, like, 
Babette is like a pure ginger, like palest <laughs> skin true. ever. And then like Babette's name is Babette and her name's Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe her name is Rochelle. I don't know. Like we'll try and spice it up a bit. I know I can't believe it. It's yeah. so funny. So she decides she's going to help the distraught girlfriend through this confusion that her boyfriend is dead, but also alive. So we get this nice little piece of history to clear things up. It was Boone up there. Yes. But Boone's dead. I saw him in the morgue. You still don't understand. You're below now, with the night breed. The last survivors of the great tribes. Okay, tribes of what? We're shapeshifters, freaks. Remains of races that your tribe have almost driven to extinction. So you're not immortal? Far from it. The sun can kill some of us, like Babette. Some of us can be shot down. Others can survive that because they've gone beyond death. This is too weird. To be able to fly, to be smoke or a wolf, to know the night and live in it forever. That's not so bad. You call us monsters. But when you dream, you dream of flying and changing and living without death. You envy us. And what do you envy? We destroy. So, guys, no surprise. Yet again, humans have driven a peaceful people into extinction. Sound familiar? Yes, 100%. History repeats itself. And horror every time. So, we learn, TLDR, that the sun is bad news for these demons. Some can survive it. But it is deadly to others. So the young daughter Babette provides Lori now with a flashback to the crime's past. Like this flashback is a religious crusade that left the Nightbreed tortured and decimated. Like the Templar, like totally. Yes, it is dark as fuck. I can tell it's right from the inner brains of Clive Barker. There are severed heads. There are mangled bodies. It also reminds me of of Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula at the beginning when Gary Oldman is fighting in the war and you just see the shadow, like the shadow foreground and the red background. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, just pure carnage. And like 300 too, even yes. whenever they walk up to the villages that have already been and they find that fucking tree and it's just oh, got all the yeah. bodies on it. Yeah. All of that. Like it's just dark. It is goth. It is such a cool scene, but also, yeah, horrific. Very sad. Oh, just sexy, horrific. Anyways, Lori doesn't give a shit. She's shook, but she just wants to see Boone. But our friend Rachel says that she's forbidden from going to Baphomet's chamber. So again, we're getting a little bit of a, a, a tunnel vision towards Baphomet and what's going on in there. But before we can follow up, we're back at the gas station. We're going to leave Midian. We're going to find out that, you know what, Baghead, he didn't quite kill that poor old man. Instead, he has tied him up to his chair with some Christmas lights, which are on, by the way, because 
you know, if you're going to tie the guy up, you may as well plug them in too, I guess. Giving me some Black Christmas vibes up in there. Yes. And he's torturing this poor old man for more answers. So on brand, Mr. Baghead. So the old man is just spilling the tea about what he knows about the Nightbreed. We learn that he actually wanted to be one of them. And when he asks the doctor if he got kicked out and that's why he hates them, this psycho, try it. Wait, I tried to do a joke there. It didn't work. Psycho, psychotriatrist. Psych, psycho. <laughs> I'm keeping this. We're just going to leave that there. No, I want you to, I want you to keep it. I like it. I like it a lot. So yeah, anyways, our psychotherapist, psycho the rapist, uh, responds that actually, no, he's on a quest to destroy them. And he's killed family after family, and all of it has culminated and led him to Midian for the ultimate massacre. And then he stabs the poor old gas station man in the guts. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of things that I wanted to mention, and also things yes. just keep popping into my head. Yes, yes But yes. I'm just thinking of, like, uh, yeah, the whole, like, Knights Templar thing. Again, it's so classic, like european white people coming in and like making genocide over religion people and like using their religion to Mm -hmm. you know squash out but also too as i'm thinking that because i'm like you know finally a movie where it's not oh now that now they're evil spirits are coming to like fuck up the day like they're still Mm -hmm. just scared and just want to be left alone but also, I'm also thinking, if I saw a porcupine girl, marinara boy, you know, spicy devil boy, like all those guys that are like the main ones. Yeah. And and I met like their like their breed, their night breed or whatever. I my first instinct wouldn't be, oh, my God, you know, these people are horrible, fucked up monsters. Let's kill them all. But later on in the movie, when we see some of the other creatures that are living down there. Yeah. I'm not saying that what the people did was right at all. Like, not at all. But, like, some of those things down there. You can understand why you. scary and, like, dangerous. (laughs) You can understand why there was a bit of fear. um, Because some of them are ghouls and goblins. But, yeah. um, But, you know, 10 out of 10 with, like. Unless they just got worse as they were just, like, hiding. Force underground. They became chuds. But I think they always lived underground. Like they'd have to because like yeah, the Yeah, because of the sun. Because of the light, sun, sunlight. Yeah. And that's also too like the whole night breed, you know. Mm-hmm. I've always, growing up watching movies like this, I've always identified with like I'd be like, I want to be with the night breed. Like that's what 100%. I want to hang out with. I don't want to hang out with the fucking stupid, boring society that's like hates everybody. No, I want to live in the cemetery with like a little cat child and my boston terrier yes exactly. and like my nipples that are weird and elongated and have claws at the end or something you know like i would hang I, out with eddie all the time hilarious i'd probably date eddie oh, I'd 10 out of 100 percent and marinara man on the side yeah you would you would fuck mary kill <laughs> <laughs> all right well you know i have a really great scene coming up but I think this is a great time for us to cut it and continue on with a part two. Now, we usually like to try and drop them back to back, but you know what? You're going to have to wait a couple days in between 
Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, we've left you at a really good spot. Yes, so. and not just that, we'll but you've a, got, we'll do a recap as well. A hundred. We are leaving you with like two hours of high tier quality audio. Hopefully that'll get you through a couple of days when you have to wait but you know what check out our insta we'll be posting the memes and all of the memes all of the night breed things um and yeah you'll just have to wait a little bit for part two which i mean shit's gonna get crazy shit is shit was crazy before but it just it's this movie is just such a fun ride well and who knows too like maybe you'll listen to this part and you'll be like i wasn't gonna watch it but now i'm gonna watch it because i want to know what happens at the end and i want to follow along so this is your chance to catch up and watch it i also just had like a thought about baphomet as well Mm -hmm. the fact that they've given the name baphomet to this mother at the bottom or whatever yeah it's just it's weird and yeah, I definitely need to read the book because like Baphomet is representing masculine, feminine, above, yeah. below, all that kind of stuff. And it comes more from, you know, uh Catholic Christian-y kind of religion. It's true. Uh mm-hmm. well the the satanic church. They've taken Baphomet as the the iconic iconography their mascot their mascot mascot. (laughs) we love baphomet baphomet is fucking rad um also just a quick quick shout out if you want to watch this movie it is on tubi it's Mm -hmm. also on youtube so choose your poison and if you want to watch it before finishing up with us go ahead and do that you should do that yeah, honestly, like it's fun to listen to us describe things, but these guys, they really put their heart and souls into this two hour like piece of work and mastery. So there's so you know? many like horror icons in here. And I think what happened with this movie is because, well, actually, wait, maybe I'm full of shit, but like this movie is after the original Hellraiser, right? Yes, this is 1990 and Hellraiser came out in 1987. So that's what I think happened probably with this movie. Like if people don't know it or didn't watch it, it's probably because people that did watch it, Hellraiser, it's it's like whenever you have a movie that's just such a fucking masterpiece, it's like there's so much to live up to and it definitely doesn't have the same exact feel. It's it, You know what it's like? It's like you took Hellraiser and um, Labyrinth and like yes. made a fucking movie together. Girl you know 10 out of 10 it's like a Jim Henson movie yes yes like Hellraiser (laughs) yes so um just hearing like even Cass mentioned he's like yeah he's like I watched Nightbreed or maybe he tried to he's like I was expecting Hellraiser and not be if you're not in the mindset for something new and you're expecting it to be the like dark like twisted BDSM nightmare Frank to come and give you the bad touch like yeah yeah yeah, you're not getting actually like maybe maybe Uncle Eddie might give you a quick finger behind the bush, but you're not getting a full peeled body. I'm in hell. Um, come and get me. You know yeah. what I mean? So I totally get how this one flew under the radar or wasn't as popular, but she's still a marvel. And yeah, she's beautiful. You guys should do it. And we're going to do it part two in a couple of days. So stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned for part two. And whenever we do part two, we'll be choosing our next movie. And we've already been brainstorming what our next genre slash category of films is going to be. Mm-hmm. And we'll be playing another little game. 
but you'll have yes. to wait until that episode to find out what it's going to be and it's going to be worth it so worth it i mean we're already worth it and you're worth it what's that commercial <laughs> maybelline maybe <laughs> she's worth it, it. <laughs> maybe maybe she's, maybe worth, she's it. worth it maybe it's maybelline <laughs> okay oh, well i'm right. signing off <laughs> yeah that's my cue for bed bedtime the words aren't working anymore no they stopped a long time ago how do we end this again <laughs> but for now boo bye <laughs> I'm like, we've had three podcasts, so <laughs> how did we used to end um uh this is trash? Uh oh dude, I have no idea. We I think we really had a hard time. We're like, say trashy. <laughs> you, you better be garbage, you whore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll fucking kill you, put you in a dumpster. <laughs> All right. Well, all you boo crime babes and bitches, good night and boo bye. Boo bye. <laughs>